This is The Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. What is going on? Welcome into The Sharp Angle Podcast. How's everyone doing? Hope you're all having a nice week. Happy Thanksgiving week. I know all week long it's going to be a a theme everywhere. The lights are going up. It's Thanksgiving. There's a lot of football. College basketball starts tomorrow. It's a great time of the year. So uh, thanks for joining us once again. Thanks for listening as of late. The show is growing. We appreciate you guys. And uh, thanks for telling everyone about us. Uh, I know we're coming out with this show a little bit late, and I'm just going to be very honest with everyone. I've been dealing with a couple of health things. I was uh, in in and out of the doctor yesterday, and uh, what happened was I'm still not sure what's going on. I don't think I have one, but the doctor thought I, I may have had a, a hernia. I was doing some lifting or some heavy lifting this weekend, getting the Christmas tree out, some things like that. And uh, yeah, so yesterday, because I'm recording this uh, Tuesday, uh, about midday on Tuesday, but yesterday I was, like I said, I went to the doctor. They, uh, this, you know, she tells me, yeah, we think that uh, it's going to be a hernia. You, you got to go get an ultrasound, right? Uh, I, I wasn't aware of, you know, the, this process. So that's what you do. So that's what I was told yesterday. So this morning, uh, 8.45 Mountain Time, I uh, headed over to an imaging center and they did a, uh, well, they, you know, for the, the ultrasound. And it was pretty <laughs> hysterical, you know. Uh, I'm sitting there in the waiting room. Everyone's got their mask on. And uh, it, it kind of reminded me of that uh, Jerry Seinfeld bit where, you know, <laughs> he's like, you know, when you're in the doctor's waiting room, you have the magazine, but you're not really reading the magazine. You're just kind of looking around at everyone else. You're thinking, you know, huh, I wonder what they got. <laughs> but uh, the good thing, actually, before I even went in yesterday, I called to make sure that, uh, you know, what they were doing about COVID. Because I don't want to go in for, you know, hernia symptoms and get, get COVID because someone's there to get COVID. But the place that I go, apparently, uh, they weren't doing any COVID uh, uh you know, seeing anybody for COVID or anything like that. They were doing like only over the phone or certain areas or certain offices where we're seeing people for that, but not mine. So uh, I'm pretty sure everyone there didn't have COVID. But then today, this morning, I get there in the waiting room and uh, I find myself, you know, it's me and about four other, uh, you know, pregnant women <laughs> all there to get all our uh, ultrasounds. So uh, that was kind of funny. I'm just looking around like, oh, okay. Me and, uh, me and four pregnant women getting getting our ultrasounds on a Tuesday morning, but I don't know yet what's going on. They don't think it's a hernia, but either way, uh, we're, we're doing what we can. We're just trying to get through. I just want to make it to Thanksgiving okay, but uh, like I said, we are back today. What we're going to do is two shows today on Tuesday, a little two for Tuesday. Uh, this initial show, we're going to break down the NFL Week 11, uh, what we learned and what we didn't learn. We try and do this every Monday of every week, and uh, let's get right into it. So Week 11, 14 games in the NFL, and it's kind of surprising. I'm actually going to talk about this more on the next show I do today because we're going to talk some college basketball, give some college basketball picks, break down the beginning of the season. So that's on the second episode of today. You guys got to check it out uh, right after you listen to this one. But we're going to talk a lot on that show about home field because what COVID has done, there's there's been so many negatives about COVID, right? Like so many things. 
Uh, we could go on and on. But honestly, if you want to talk positives, one positive for us, sports bettors, is we've gotten a really, really beneficial glimpse of what it means in terms of home field advantage. Because it, there was always, amongst sports bettors, a great debate of how much does the crowd matter, right? Is traveling on the road, is a road game more about travel, staying in an unfamiliar hotel, eating at places that you don't know, away from the family, away from the routine? Is it that? Or is it the crowd that they're loud, they're obnoxious, they mess things up? And I think that what we're seeing is, in so far, in, ho- or, uh, in soccer and football, that those home crowds make quite the difference. I mean, I'm noticing a big, big difference in football and soccer in terms of what I'm calculating for home field advantage. I mean, it still means something, but it's not close to where it was when there were fans in the seats. And I honestly, I was always on the side that said, look, it's probably more the travel, the wear and tear on the body, the sleeping in the hotel, but this has proven me kind of wrong. Road teams in soccer and football have done tremendously well this year. This is the best year for road teams in the NFL since the merger. That's not a coincidence. Road teams have done very well. As a matter of fact, this last weekend, 9 of 14 road teams won outright. We're not talking spreads. We're not talking against the spread or anything like that. One outright. I mean, road teams are doing good these days. And so it's really worth taking into account how you guys uh, uh, judge home field, home court, things like that, because the crowd matters. Now, it's different for different sports. You know, football, it has a direct impact on the game. When the home crowd is loud, when the away team has the football, I mean, they can't hear each other. It's a huge advantage for loud stadiums to be loud when the away team has the ball. There's no communication going on, you know? And that's a, a huge deal. And you see that playing out in football. It's, it's massive. Now, other sports like soccer and I presume hockey, once we get going with this again, because I don't rate my hockey home field ratings the same way. They played all, all, all neutral sites. So you really didn't get an idea of home ice and hockey. But I would presume that hockey has a much smaller uh, ceiling for home field, things like, or for for home ice, because the crowd doesn't really matter anyway in hockey. They get loud, they support their team. Don't get me wrong. It matters a lot when a home team's trailing, let's say 3-1, and they get that second goal in the third period, then the crowd helps lift that home team up. They feel the energy, they feel the momentum. It's not like they're not even there. But in terms of actually affecting what you see on the ice, it's nothing close to football or I would say basketball as well. Think about basketball, how massive those home field advantages or home court advantages are in the NBA and college basketball. So, you know, it, it's very it's very apparent in the NFL as well. Clearly the NFL not really impacted in terms of who's who's at home and who's on the road. Now, I think it's a combination of things, right? Like if you're tired, you've traveled a lot. Look how much the LA Rams have traveled this year and they go win Monday Night Football at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? There, there's certain things you're noticing, but if this were a normal year, maybe the wear and tear of travel combined with the, the, the fans would have a bigger impact, right? So it's, it's a nuanced thing. It's not one or the other. It's not like home field doesn't matter at all right now, but certainly we're seeing a difference and be aware of that when you're calculating... Uh, your games, you know, because it does matter. So 
again, nine of 14 road teams won this week in the NFL, and I have three things each for what we learned and what we didn't learn in terms of what we shouldn't overreact with. So uh, let's start off with what we did learn this weekend. Number one, the Saints' defense has fixed their early season problems. Early on, it was thought, it was pretty common thought that the Saints had a lot of issues on defense. Offensively, they should be okay, even though there was a lot of rumbles about Drew Brees, how he didn't have the same arm he's always had. They can't go downfield anymore. But I think that they quickly silenced a lot of haters in terms of the offense. It was the defense that a lot of people had questions with. And I think the Saints have done a great job with defense, fixing those holes, shoring up the secondary, finally getting pressure on the quarterback. And it just took a couple philosophical changes. That's it. But I'm really impressed with the Saints defense. They right now look like the team to beat in the NFC. I know there's a lot of good teams in the NFC, and I don't want to overreact to what I most recently saw, but if there's any way Taysom Hill can get them through these three, four games without Drew Brees and go maybe 4-0, these Saints are going to be in very, very good shape. So uh, the Saints defense has fixed their early season problems, and I think that they're heading in the right direction. Number two. We have to start paying attention to the Indianapolis Colts. Like I feel like whenever we talk about good teams, teams who are competitive, teams who should be in that Super Bowl conversation, everyone always writes off Indy because of Phillip Rivers. Now, I'll admit, he has the weirdest throwing motion of all time. He's been in the league forever. He's not done much right with the way with the uh, San Diego Chargers. But I think that this Indianapolis team is very good. They proved this last weekend. They can win a lot of different ways. I mean, they were down 14 coming out in the second half. They gave it to uh, 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 Jonathan Taylor six times in a row. They threw they, they, they uh, threw the football after that, and they opened it up. But they came out and ran the football. They know who they are. They know how to be uh, aggressive. They can dictate the pace of a game. And they can play from behind. They can play from ahead. This is a very good, well-rounded team in Indianapolis. And for some reason, no one's talking about them yet for the the Super Bowl or the AFC. And they need to at least be in the conversation. They're a very good team. And they're proving it week after week. And number three, what we learned, don't underestimate Matt Rule. I think we learned this last weekend, putting P.J. Walker out there, that this guy is versatile. I mean, Matt Rule is, again, sort of like my last one with uh, with Indianapolis. No one talks about them. Nobody talks about Matt Rule. I never hear anyone put him in the conversation for best new coaches, best young coaches. They kind of gloss over him because they're not flashy in Carolina. Christian McCaffrey's injured. A lot of people wrote them off. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, can he be a good quarterback? I think this is not yet where they want to be in Carolina. New GM, new coach. They have a plan. They have a direction. They know where they're going, and they're getting good a lot faster than, than I thought they would. So don't underestimate Carolina. Certainly don't underestimate Matt Rule. He could be the best coach right now that nobody's talking about. So those are the three things we learned from last weekend. Now let's get to three things that we shouldn't overreact from from this previous week of games. Number one, uh, Tua Tunga Viola is a question mark. I don't think that after being benched in Denver, we should suddenly write him off. Now, I was quick to write him off after week one. That was a mistake I made. I think I learned my lesson. We're not going to do that so fast this time. I think if there's a very good chance he goes back home, has a good game next week, and let's see who do they have next week. Miami plays. They go on the road to the, the Jets. So I think it's entirely possible that Tua gets back into it next week, 
you know, throws for 200 yards and a couple touchdowns and runs for a touchdown and looks good against the New York Jets. I mean, he's getting a good matchup after the Broncos. And let's face it, did we expect him to go undefeated his, his rookie year? I mean, he went on the road, tough environment in Denver, and lost. Now, it's obviously, it's a tougher environment with the fans there, but still, it's altitude, it's long travel, all that stuff. It wasn't a great situation for him. So the whole idea that, ah, Tua sucks, you got bench for Ryan Fitzpatrick, not so fast. I mean, I think that he didn't play great, but I expect him to bounce back, and it's a rookie mistake. Rookie errors, it's going to happen. So don't sell Tua quite yet after that bad game. Number two, Taysom Hill. Same thing. The book is still out on Taysom Hill. He played a good game. They had a good game plan. But how long can that keep up? I look at Taysom Hill like a Tim Tebow with a much better arm. I mean, he scrambles, he gets down the field, he he executes the offense pretty well, but how often did we see the quarterback scrambles, the quarterback sneaks, the, 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 the quarterback dives? There were a lot of runs with Taysom Hill, and I'm wondering how long is Drew Brees going to be out? Are they going to be able to keep doing things like that on offense and tricking teams on defense because it worked once, it should work for a couple weeks, but I wonder... Can they keep it going as long as Drew Brees is out? I'm not so sure. Taysom Hill's a good athlete. I I love Taysom Hill, but I just don't know if he's a great quarterback quite yet. He had a good game, but let's not overreact to Taysom Hill and that one performance. And number three, I know the Ravens lost. I know the Ravens aren't looking very good, but I promise you guys, the Baltimore Ravens aren't suddenly a bad team. I'm not promising they're going to do well this week either. They play on Thanksgiving. They have to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they are racking up a list of names, injured players, uh, COVID players, you know, players on the COVID list. So they're going to be depleted on this Thursday night, and they may lose. But I promise you guys, it's not like the Ravens are suddenly a terrible team. They'll fix what they need to. They'll be fine. They'll make the playoffs. And if Lamar Jackson starts playing well, then they'll be okay. But don't overreact to that. You know, I know that it's disappointing when you lose money on a team or you see him lose a couple games in a row or a couple games they should win. But, you know, they're okay. They lost in overtime to a good Titans team. It's They, they probably should have won it, obviously. But I don't think we should sell our stock yet on the Ravens. So... All right, that does it for today's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we're about to do a back-to-back, so stay tuned. If you like a little college basketball, we'll uh, talk to you on the next podcast.